Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, let's see here. It's uh, 28 June, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And because of COVID-19, Chris, who we do mission work with every week, said that we should all be wearing masks. And so I'm wearing my mask, and this is what I will wear if I have to go to uh, Walmart or, you know, wherever, which I never go to Walmart, so that doesn't apply. But uh, wherever I have to go, I do have a mask. And, you know, there is no law on masks. I checked it out today. It just says if somebody tells you you have to wear a mask, you wear it, but it doesn't say what kind. So this will be my official mask for when I go out. Um, let's see here. Other than that being 28 June, I'd like to uh, congratulate my wife of 36 years for having stuck it out. Today is our anniversary. She is not here. She's uh, working today, which means she gets away from her husband. But I'll uh, see if we can watch at least the first few minutes of the uh, prophecy update, and she can uh, she can see yeah see my mask and see that I love her and I've acknowledged our uh, our 36 years together. Boy, what a brave woman! She's great. Okay, I got to take that off because it's driving me absolutely insane. But because I got my glasses on, but later when I need to go out into the church and greet you all later, I'll put on my mask so that you're COVID safe. All right. Uh, let's see here. We got uh, our first category as always is Israel. And from the Jerusalem Post, UNHRC arms embargo call against Israel passes by only a slim margin, which is rare. Usually it's a pretty wide margin, but I think they're kind of tired of uh, these things going against Israel. So a UNHRC resolution that sought to exact harsh penalties against Israel for its settlement activity and alleged human rights violations, including a call for an arms embargo passed by a slim margin in Geneva. It also called on the UNHCR commissioner to present a report next year on how Israel can be better forced to comply with UN resolutions that call on it to halt settlement activity and to withdraw to the pre-1967 lines. Same thing that happens year after year after year. It's just added on to the countless resolutions against the one nation that they pick on in the entire planet. Um, Now, the next few articles are just very short. I'm going to read you the title and maybe a short comment for one or two of them. But you can see who is on the right side and who's on the wrong side simply by listening to what's happening with the um, annexation, which is scheduled. If they start annexing, it will be in the next three days on the 1st of July. That Anytime after that, if they say we're going to annex, that's what's going to happen. So you decide on which side of that issue you are on based on what I'm going to read you. From the Times of Israel, U.S. Democrats push letter to unify party behind anti-annexation message to Israel. From the Times of Israel, Chuck Schumer, two other key pro-Israel Democrats warn Israel against annexation. From the Times of Israel, 189 House Democrats warn against Netanyahu's annexation plans. From Haaretz, majority of House Republicans sign letter endorsing Israeli annexation. The letter signed by 120 out of 198 House Republicans praises the Trump administration's Mideast vision and blames the Palestinian leadership for choosing to reject it. 
from the Times of Israel, over 1,000 European lawmakers signed letter opposing West Bank annexation. And then from the Times of Israel, UN envoy warns Israeli annexation could fuel extremism. It doesn't matter if they annex or if they don't. Whatever they do, there's always extremism over there. There's always people stabbing Jews. There's always people causing trouble, lobbing bombs into there. They need to just take action and do it. That's the side I'm on. You decide where you want to be. From the JNS, defense experts sound alarm on critical shortfall of U.S. weapons stockpile in Israel. A paper released by JINSA has called on the U.S. to fill up its weapons stockpile in Israel with precision-guided munitions as the threats posed by adversaries like Iran and Hezbollah grows. JINSA's U.S.-Israel Security Police Project issued the report in recent days, which addressed what it described as critical shortfalls of U.S. weapons pre-positioned in Israel. General Charles Wald, a distinguished fellow at JINSA's Germunder Center for Defense and Strategy and former deputy commander of U.S. European Command, told JNS that the desired end state is boosting the security of Israel, our major ally. He described a severe threat from Iran and Hezbollah, which is growing dramatically, and noted Iran's hostile activity in Syria, as well as tensions with terror organizations in the Gaza Strip. The issue you run into is that because of the unpredictability and volatility of the players in the region, Israel doesn't have time to build up and defend itself. Our point is that they probably need more in stockpile of precision munitions so they can respond tonight if they have to, in a big way. As America intends to reduce its footprint in the Middle East, this stockpile can advance our national security interests and bolster shared deterrence by ensuring Israel has the tools to defend itself. That is because the Trump administration, which has expressed its shared concern over Iran's regional expansion, has mostly left it to Israel, which is more directly threatened to address the problem on the ground and prepare for a major conflict with Iran. Yet the stockpile is falling dangerously short of meeting its stated purpose to support Israel's efforts. Most importantly, though, Israel has purchased tens of thousands of precision-guided munitions from the U.S. in recent years. It has used many of them in its ongoing air campaign to roll back Iran and its proxies in Syria and elsewhere. At the same time, the WRSAI stockpile contains mostly outdated, unguided bombs. According to Wald, while Israel has the best air defense capability in the world, it won't be sufficient when dealing with Hezbollah's arsenal of 120,000-plus projectiles. The only way to defend is to have to go and take out the targets themselves, and the only way to do that is with precision weapons, such as the JDAM and others. Such capabilities are required to hit strategic areas and home in on the enemy command and control sites as well as other targets. The point is, you have to have them in place. Israel has the most capable military in the world. The IAF is without peer. This is a deterrent because the players I've just described in the region totally understand that they'd be overwhelmed by the Israel Air Force. We should pre-position weapons in Israel to give them massive amounts so the Israelis could constantly be flying with them and not have to wait for resupply. Sounds like a winner to me. If we're pulling out of the Mideast, we need to make sure that Israel is well stocked and they've got plenty of desert to stock it in. I don't know if you've ever been out in the Nevada desert, 
But when you drive down the longest straight highway I've ever been on my life, one is in Oregon and the other is in Nevada. And when you go in Nevada, as far as you can see, there are humps that are up above ground level. But what it is, is it's an underground bunker and the humps are where you access to go into these things. And that's where all the munitions are stored. And miles and miles of munitions. And we need to allow that over in Israel and let them have some humps in the desert as well. All right, from Detali. The Ministry of Health and the Knesset Deputy want to strike a shekel for those who do not want to eat right. Sounds like the left in America. In other words, they're going to tax people food that they don't agree with. You know, up in New York, you got all the people, if you have a large soda, then you get taxed extra. And then finally, they just pass no more large sodas. But if you go to a restaurant and they have unlimited soda drinking, it makes no difference anyway. But that's the thought of liberals. From BBC, Israel set to have record number of openly gay MPs. Bad news, they shouldn't be doing this type of thing. But once again, Ezekiel 36, 22 falls into place. Yet not for your sake, O house of Israel, am I going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have blasphemed among the nations, and which they continue to do by having these particular things going on in their government. And, you know, the gay pride and all of that kind of stuff in Israel. They're going to go through some bad times, just like the rest of the world. From Israel Info, this is translated from Russian. So if it sounds a little off, I'm sorry. Israel moves to legalize cannabis use. After Likud and Kahol Lavan agreed that there was nothing wrong with the legalization of hemp, and they were even in favor, the two deputies were instructed to formulate a corresponding bill. It is expected that the presence of cannabis up to 50 grams will be recognized as a quantity for personal use and will not be considered a violation of the law. Naturally, the law will have age restrictions, a ban on driving after smoking, and possibly a ban on the use of cannabis by military personnel and the police. Well, you would hope so. There is an idea to legalize the method of sale in special stores. Here it is, as has already been done in many countries. Obviously, the law can be passed quite quickly, even before the fall, and here's the reason why it's the same everywhere you go, as this is one way to patch up the budget, which is bursting at the seams. Hemp for medical purposes in Israel is grown in sufficient quantities. According to official figures today, 27% of adult Israeli citizens use cannabis in one form or another. It's the same thing everywhere you go. People want the money and they're willing to sacrifice morality for those type of things. A lot of people say it's okay to be smoking pot. I'm not one of them. It's just one more thing that's added on to the list of things that you don't need to have in a society. From Christian News Today, congratulations to Thomas Schlitt. He has listened to all of the Genesis podcasts, okay? He does not watch them. He uh, listens to them while he's working or doing something else, and uh, he's listened to all of the Genesis podcasts. So that reminds me to thank uh, the Mike and all of the people that helped Mike put together all of the podcasts so that we have them. And uh, anytime you want to listen to the podcasts, they're right online. But uh, he is now in the book of Ruth. That'll take no time at all. I think there's probably like eight or ten Ruth sermons, and then it's a short book, and then he'll hopefully go on into the book of Exodus. From Reuters... Church of England says it is ashamed of its role in slavery. Well, why aren't they proud of their role in slavery? Like William Wilberforce and Newton and all of these other people that worked to get rid of slavery from within the Church of England, the Anglican Church. Why don't they focus on the positives instead of beating themselves up like the rest of the world does over an issue that needs to be put in its proper perspective? 
It, I, I, this is just the way it is. I'm not trying to diminish in any way slavery. What I am saying is it's a part of the human condition. It's found right in the Bible, and people have worked to overcome that, and they've done it from within the church. So there you go. That's the Church of England from Christian Institute. U.S. Bishop defends Bible's position on marriage during disciplinary hearing. I reported on him twice already. He's now going through the hearings. This is in the Episcopal Church. This is a bishop that is standing on biblical morality, and he's being hammered by the rest of the uh, Episcopal Church because of it. A U.S. bishop has continued to defend the biblical position on sex and marriage during a disciplinary hearing where he stands accused of failing to conform to the Episcopal Church's backing for same-sex marriage. The Bishop of Albany, William Love, is accused of breaking his ordination vows by showing unwillingness to abide by Resolution B-012, which stipulates that bishops must permit same-sex weddings to take place in their diocese. The 2018 resolution says that if a bishop disagrees with same-sex marriage, they must invite another bishop to do so instead. But Bishop Love responded by stating that same-sex unions are in direct conflict and contradiction to God's intent for marriage. I'm glad he's doing this. I think it's kind of pointless in that denomination, but I'm very happy that he's taking this stand. The church lawyer argued the church's sacramental rights are theologically sacred and a pastorally crucial element or critical element of its worship. And by prohibiting same-sex couples access to the sacramental rite of marriage, Bishop Love fails to conform to this holy and important element of worship of the Episcopal Church. They're going to find how holy it is when they're chucked into the abyss of hell. I hate to say it, but that's what's coming for these people. From the Christian headlines, Trump DOJ states, must loosen church restrictions if they allow protests. This is the DOJ standing up for churches. The Trump Justice Department is pressuring Washington Governor John Inslee to loosen restrictions on churches by arguing the state's policy of allowing unlimited peaceful protests while capping houses of worship is discriminatory and likely unconstitutional. The Department of Justice in a statement of interest in a Tacoma, Washington federal court supporting a Washington state church argues imposing a hard cap on all religious worship and no cap on secular gatherings constitutes unequal treatment. The state of Washington limits outdoor worship services to 100 people regardless of distancing, hygiene, and other precautionary measures. It also limits restaurants and taverns at 50% capacity while limiting houses of worship to 25% capacity with a hard cap of 50 individuals. And as I said before, if you have a church with 7,000 people, that's ridiculous. Put 50 people in there. That's, it makes no sense, but they're trying to harm Christianity. That is the focus here. Yet they permit protests with numerical limitation with only an unenforceable and unenforced suggestion by the governor for people to be safe for themselves and the people around them by wearing a mask and distancing as much as you can. So you can protest all you want. You should wear a mask, but churches cannot meet unless it's under the most strict conditions. Doesn't work. From Christian Headlines, Michael Jackson's daughter to portray Jesus as lesbian woman in new controversial film. What? Yes, Jackson, who is bisexual in real life, will be playing Jesus, who is being portrayed as a lesbian who indulges in carnality with another woman. 
E Online stated that habit follows a party girl with a Jesus fetish who gets mixed up in a violent drug deal and finds a possible way out by masquerading as a nun. Jackson's physical portrayal of Jesus also features a nose ring, tussled waves, and a traditional robe. So this is the state of the world that we're living in today where you can have this kind of stuff, but you can't say a word about the Prophet Muhammad. Total double standard. Islam today. Just this morning, I got an article that I was reading from the front page mag up two, maybe three weeks ago. Less in China proposed that maybe Muslims would take over street patrols in Minnesota, right? Yeah. And uh, you heard it first here at the Superior Word. Guess what I read in front page mag this morning? Minnesota State Representative Antifa and Muslim groups plan to police Minneapolis under Muslim rule. There you go. So Les pegged it. Here it is. They're actually planning this, getting rid of the police force and allowing these people to run the city. WND, Muslim student sues professor for teaching truthfully about Islam. Yep. A professor who won a free speech battle with his community college over his teaching about Islamic terrorism is now being sued by a Muslim student and the controversial Kair. After a student complained about the content of Nicholas Damask's world politics course, officials at Scottsdale Community College in Arizona promised he would apologize, but he didn't. And the college later apologized to him when the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education pointed out his freedom to teach subjects that may be controversial was protected by the U.S. Constitution. The complaint seeks an injunction against the Maricopa Community College District, which SCC is part of, and Damask to block use of course materials deemed to have the primary effect of disapproving of Islam. The report noted that there were three questions on the Islamic terror module in the course to which Sabra objected. Okay, I'm going to ask you and let's see if you can answer them. Who do terrorists strive to emulate? Muhammad, there you go, that's one. Where is terrorism encouraged in Islamic doctrine and law? You would, well, it's throughout the Quran, but most especially it is in the Medina verses. Remember the one we did on abrogation? The northern verses are all abrogated. It's the ones where he is in Medina which say that jihad against people is correct. That's what the Quran actually teaches, okay? That's traditionally understood as having been revealed later in Muhammad's prophetic career, and thus the older verses are abrogated, all right? And then finally, terrorism is known as what? I just said it a second ago in jihad. That's correct, in Islam. They're all truthful statements, and he's being sued for that. The lawsuit charges that the only objectionably reasonable construction of Damascus' actions is that his primary message is the disapproval of Islam. It doesn't matter if he disapproves of it or not. They're truthful questions. They're right out of the Quran, and therefore, they should be allowed. And he's being sued for it. From Reuters, Egypt's Sisi orders army to be ready for missions abroad amid tensions over Libya. It's getting heated up over there. We'll see where this goes. Egyptian President al-Sisi ordered his army to be ready to carry out any mission inside or outside the country to protect its national security amid tensions over Turkey's intervention in neighboring Libya. Turkey supports the internationally recognized GNA in Tripoli, which, with Turkish support, has reversed a 14-month assault on the capital by Khalifa Haftar's eastern-based LNA. The LNA is backed by Russia, the United Arab Emirates, and Egypt. 
Earlier this month, Egypt called for a ceasefire in Libya as a part of initiative, which also proposed an elected leadership council for the country. The U.S., Russia, and the UAE welcomed the plan. Germany said UN-backed talks were key to the peace process. However, Turkey dismissed the proposal as an attempt to save Haftar following the losses he suffered on the battlefield, which I mentioned last week and the week before. The, or three weeks ago, I guess. From the sun, three people stabbed in England by Libyan man with extensive arrest record. We just had another one in Glasgow a day ago. But this one goes back earlier in the week. Cops have confirmed the reading bloodbath, which left three men dead and three others injured, was a terror attack. The suspect is understood to be 25-year-old Kahiri Saadala, a Libyan refugee who has been in and out of jail since coming to Britain several years ago. Sources have said he was known to officers and previously spent at least 12 months in prison for various assaults. He was jailed in December last year after assaulting a Sainsbury security guard. Usually, asylum seekers convicted in the UK would be deported, but the suspect remained here due to conflict in Libya. Police in Reading initially said the rampage was not being treated as terror, but confirmed the counterterrorism policing Southeast have taken over the investigation. At first, they did not want to admit that it was terrorism. And finally, after a couple days, it was so obvious that they had to do it. They did the same thing with the one in Scotland. They said, well, we don't know if this is terror-related when a guy is yelling Allah Akbar and stabbing people, but they finally admitted that one as well. But this is what's going on in the UK because they allow it to go on in the UK. Yeah, they're afraid to be sued. From the Jerusalem Post, Iran's currency hits lowest value ever against the dollar. Iran's currency has dropped to its lowest value of 190,000 real for each dollar amid severe U.S. sanctions against the country. The Iranian currency has tumbled from a rate of 32,000. Imagine that, 32,000 to 190,000 at the time of Tehran's 2015 nuclear deal with the world powers. U.S. sanctions have caused Iran's oil exports, the country's main source of income, to fall sharply. Last week, senior VP Jahangiri said that Iran's oil revenues have plummeted to $8 billion from $100 billion in 2011. So don't tell me sanctions don't work because they'd have all of that revenue and they'd be building a lot more bombs than they're building right now. From the Times of Israel. German intelligence said to warn Iran is still seeking nuclear weapons. The world doesn't want to admit it, but the German intelligence has confirmed it. From Nordic Monitor, Turkey has a plan for the invasion of Greece. Secret documents reveal. Guess what? They're both members of NATO. And we've got members of NATO with secret documents planning attacks against other members of NATO. Tell me, that's not scary. From Mongolia today, from Montsami, Mongolia's population totals 3,296,866, the latest census shows. Since the 2010 population census, the average annual population growth has been at 2.2%. Average household size, or the average number of persons per household, is at 3.6, and mean average at first marriage is at 27.7. That's old. I was 19.0 or 19.1 maybe, a month after my birthday or something when I got married. I was going to get married when I was 18. When I was a kid, I said to my mom, I'm going to get married when I'm 18. She says, if you do, I'm disowning you. And so I waited till I was 19, and I got married. And it's lasted 36 years. My dad went up to my wife before we got married, and he said, I don't want you to marry my son. It will never last. 
Then every year at this time, he calls up and he apologizes. <laughs> Oh, gosh. 46% of Mongolia's population resides in capital city of Ulaanbaatar. 95.1% of the population aged over 10 has attained some level of education and literacy rate for people aged 15 and above is 98.7%. Also, 87.8% of all residents aged above 6 6 use mobile phones and 647 are internet users. I don't have a mobile phone and I'm, what, 55 or, yeah, 55, so. Uh, Yeah, I got an iPad. That's for church business. Sergio made me get it so we can keep the church running. All right, from Daniel 12 Technology today. It's kind of cool. New Atlas. New Horizons becomes first spacecraft to demonstrate stellar parallax. This is very cool. NASA's, uh, you'll find out in a sec. Listen carefully. And you, you don't know what a parallax is. I want you to hold out your thumb. Okay. Now look at it through one eye. Hold it out. Uh, uh, sh- yeah. Now close one eye. Now look at the other. See the difference? That's a parallax. Okay. NASA's New Horizons Deep Space Probe has, for the first time, returned images to Earth that show stellar parallax or how the positions of stars shift when seen from two different places. This phenomena could one day be used for interstellar navigation. Parallax is a very simple thing to demonstrate. Here it is, what I just told her to do. Hold up a finger in front of your eyes at arm's length, close one eye, and then swap to the other eye. You'll notice that this causes your finger to seem to shift because your eyes are looking from two different locations. In astronomy, this is a method that's used by astronomers to measure the distance to nearby stars and is at the center of a rather interesting historical controversy. Most people have heard about Galileo's problems with the Catholic Church over his claim that the Earth revolves around the sun. What most people don't know is that Galileo's claim was just that, a claim. He didn't have any direct evidence that the Earth actually moved. In fact, that was Tycho Brahe's main objections against the Copernican theory. If the Earth moved, you should be able to see the stars shift in the sky due to parallax. If a star is one parsec or 3.3 light years from Earth, it should shift one arc second as the Earth moves from one side of its orbit to the other. However, no star is that close, and for centuries, instruments were nowhere near accurate enough to measure stellar parallax farther away. Then, in 1838, the German astronomer Friedrich Bessel measured the parallax for the star 61 Cygni, which turned out to be 11.4 light years from Earth. And so, Galileo was proven right 196 years after his death. On April 22nd and 23rd, the spacecraft was ordered to use its long-range telescope to take pictures of the stars Proxima Centauri and Wolf 359, which lie 4.2 light-years and 7.8 light-years away, respectively. These images were returned to NASA via radio link taking about six hours and 30 minutes to reach their destination, and compared to images taken on Earth at the same time by the Siding Spring Observatory in Australia and the Mount Lemmon Observatory in Arizona, the two sets of images were compared, showing definite parallax. According to NASA, this is not only the first time a spacecraft 
has measured the stellar parallax. It is also the longest measuring baseline ever used because the distance to New Horizons is 23 times longer than the baseline of the Earth's orbit. This makes parallax easily observable to the eye instead of precision instruments. Currently, deep space probes rely on signals from NASA's Deep Space Network for navigation, but as craft move out into interstellar space, this won't be practical. Instead, the onboard navigation systems will have to use new methods or adapt old ones. One of these will be stellar parallax, which will allow computers to calculate positions by noting the shift of nearby stars. Okay, has anybody here ever watched Star Trek? No. Okay, you've never watched. Okay, what is it called? What is the, the place on the ship called that does exactly what they're talking about? Mapping the stars. They have a section. And uh, especially Jean-Luc Picard, he was always calling stellar cartography. They're out there mapping the stars. Okay, so nobody got that one. I will give $20 to whoever can tell me where a parallax is mentioned in the Bible. In the Bible? In the Bible. Can anybody tell me where a parallax is mentioned in the Bible? $20 if you can. I'll have to go get it because I don't have $20 on me, but <laughs> let me take you. When you look at the Lord in different directions. I owe you $20. I owe you $20. That was very good. I am definitely impressed. Okay, I'm going to read you from James 1.17. This does not count for people screaming online that happen to know that. I'm not sending you $20. This is in church thing only. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I'm going to read you a very short part of my commentary from James 1.17. This isn't the whole commentary. It's just a little bit of it. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James had to pull out his science book to make this description because the terms he uses here are technical in nature. The word translated as variation is paralagi. It is found only here in scripture and it signifies a parallax. This is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. For example, through the viewfinder and the lens of a camera. The word describes a transmutation of phase or orbit. If you hold your thumb out, as we've seen twice now in front of you, and close your left eye first and then your right eye, the position of your thumb will change slightly. This is a trigonometric parallax, or simply a parallax. The author seems to have chosen this word specifically for his audience to make it completely clear that there is no shift, no change in God, even in the slightest. A parallax will occur when a reference changes even minutely, such as at the atomic level. But in God, there is simply no parallax at all. This is why the description Father of Lights is chosen. If our field of view changes even in the slightest, our view of the stars will change. But with God who created and sustained the stars, there is no change at all. No matter how we view God, there will never be any change in him. God does not change in any way, shape, or form. If you say that God changes, it is not the God of the Bible. There is no change in God. He does not get happy he is love. He is mercy. He is grace. There is no change in him. If there is a change, it happens within the stream of time. If he is bound by time, which he created, then he ain't God. 
okay? He has displayed himself in the creation and especially through the person of Jesus Christ who can reveal those things to us. But God, who created all things, has no change in him, and that is confirmed right there in the Bible. If you want a daily commentary, which contains information like that on a verse of the Bible every single day in order, right now we're in the book of 2 John, just go to the Superior Word website, click on today's writing, and there's a commentary posted by me every morning at 4 o'clock. And you'll get information like that about your walk with the Lord. Revelation plagues today. From the Guardian. Worst outbreak ever. Nearly a million pigs are culled in Nigeria due to swine fever. Hundreds of thousands of pigs have been culled by Nigerian farmers in response to an explosion of African swine fever. The outbreak began around Lagos and parts of neighboring Ogun State earlier this year, pig farmers say, but has now spread to many other parts of the country. In the absence of official data, farmers estimated that nearly a million pigs had to be put down so far. Miss Bello, a farmer at Lagos-based Okearo, the largest pig cooperative in West Africa, said the cooperative alone had called around 500,000 pigs. So far, the virus has spread to more than a quarter of Nigeria's 36 states. The farmers who spoke to The Guardian estimated that the pig industry in the country has lost up to 40 million pounds, which is uh, England's money, and that more than 20,000 jobs are at risk. And that could just blossom over there. We'll have to watch that and see where it goes. From Zero Hedge, Stanford professor, median infection fatality rate of COVID-19 for those under 70 is just 0.04%. Zero Hedge, what spike? Hospitalization data show no indication of a second wave. Claims that Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are emerging hotspots are not supported by the hospitalization numbers, despite media reports to the contrary. Until they start having that, you know that they're not telling the truth. For morality today, from Happy Mag TV. Okay, this is the state of the world that we're living in right now, and it's only going to continue to get worse. Happy Mag TV. Cocoa Pops is being accused of racism, and so is Coon Cheese. Okay, NBC. Aunt Jemima Brand, you've heard it, to change name, remove image that Quaker says is based on a racial stereotype. New York Post, family of woman who portrayed Aunt Jemima opposes move to rebrand. So you can't please anybody because they're black and they want it to stay. From Patch, Aunt Jemima's great-grandson enraged that her legacy will be erased. NBC, Uncle Ben's rice to change brand as part of parent company's stance against racism. Forbes, Miss Butterworth to undergo a complete brand and packaging review. Breitbart, racist Rice Krispies. Ex-Labor MP targets Kellogg's over white boys. Snap, crackle, and pop. So you're racist if you got white people and you're racist if you got black people. You don't win either way with these people. There's no winning. All right, Rolling Stone. Eskimo Pie owners call brand derogatory, vow to change name. Yes, so if you say somebody's an Eskimo now, you can be a racist. From Yahoo, Johnson & Johnson will stop selling whitening cream over concerns of racism. Yeah, Zero Hedge, conservative activist calls to cancel Yale for being named after a slave trader. CNN, Colgate is still selling black person toothpaste in China now that's under review. Mail Online, Muhammad Ali's son. 
You'd be surprised that he's standing on the right side of normal thinking. Muhammad Ali's son says his father would have hated the racist Black Lives Matter protests, claiming the movement is pitting black people against everyone else and that George Floyd's killer was doing his job. Mail online. Esther Kralkui, she's from England, okay? She's a black lady in England. Guess what? She moved from Ghana. So she's a real black lady having moved to England. I dared to question the aims of Black Lives Matter and got the worst racist abuse I've ever suffered, she says. She's an immigrant to the United Kingdom from Ghana. It's a very long but a very good article. She's like the Candace Owens of the United Kingdom. Our other category, I'd call this priorities from Fox 5. Walmart looks to remove all cashiers from stores. Walmart is testing a store that will only offer self-checkout. Walmart says it is an attempt to see if checkout times are faster while limiting human interaction in the age of coronavirus. Workers will still be able to help customers who have trouble during the checkout process. Depending on the success of the test run, Walmart could expand the program to more stores. This is Definite. They're trying to save money, and this is how they're going to do it. The retailer recently launched a touch-free payment system also aimed at helping mitigate the spread of the coronavirus. They're using this as a justification for getting rid of lots of jobs. From Business Insider, New York City's contact tracers have been told to not ask people if they've attended a protest. These are your priorities. If a person wants to proactively offer that information, there's an opportunity for them to do so. The policy marks a balanced approach between public health and respecting public outrage about police violence against black Americans. From Zero Hedge, eight-year-old boy arrested for asking if he could buy candy with fake money. This is priorities. Yes, at a parade in Switzerland, fake money was thrown around for children to collect. The obviously fake cash is called spirit money, featuring Chinese symbols. It is meant as an offering to the dead so they can prosper in the afterlife. An eight-year-old Swiss boy later asked a shop clerk if he could use the play money to buy candy. He just asked, you know, I got this out in the street. Can I use this? To be clear, the kid did not try to trick the shopkeeper or pass off the money as real. A normal person would laugh and politely explain that only central banks are allowed to use fake money. Instead, this shopkeeper opted to call the police. Again, a reasonable officer could have stopped it all right there. Instead, the boy and his 10-year-old brother were taken to the police station. Police took their mugshots, but did not charge them with a crime. Police did, however, search the family's home, where police found some other play money. These cops essentially confiscated monopoly money as if they were busting a counterfeiting operation. So that's priorities. From Zero Hedge, police called over BB gun in background during a virtual class. Kid is at home attending school. He's got his Red Rider BB gun in the corner and the police are called. Due to COVID-19 lockdowns, plenty of schools have been holding virtual video classes. In one class, someone on the call, took a picture of an 11-year-old boy's screen, showed him in his bedroom with a BB gun in the background. This anonymous snitch told the principal, who compared this to bringing a weapon to school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the school administration became involved and alerted the police department. 
This is priorities of the world we're living in. Police went to the family's home to search for an unsecured weapon. If there is any silver lining to this story, it's that police concluded no laws had been broken and they left. From Fox, New York City sees surge in murders, burglaries, New York Police Department says. Crime statistics released by the New York Police Department showed a rise in the city's murder rate during the month of May as protests and riots continued. The numbers showed that murders in the city had increased by 79%, shootings were up 64%, and burglaries reportedly rose by 34%. And that doesn't count any of the looting. They ignored all of that. Okay? New York Post. Popular mechanics blasted for guide on how to topple a statue. Yeah, that's their priorities. From Town Hall, CNN put up a wall around its headquarters. After blasting Trump for putting up a wall around the White House, they put one up and there's no word said about it. From Weasel Zippers, 104 shot, 14 killed in Chicago, weekend violence last weekend. Other defund the police target city see major gun crime incidents. Zero Hedge, Biden commits to three debates with Trump. I can't wait for that to come. It's official, former Vice President Biden's campaign is committed to three debates with President Trump before the November election, according to the Washington Post. Joe Biden looks forward to facing Donald Trump in a multi-debate series that the American people have come to expect from their leaders. Now listen to this next sentence. We hope that President Trump would not break that tradition or make excuses for a refusal to participate. (laughs) Yeah, said Biden campaign manager. Last week, several top Trump aides, including Rudy Giuliani, began pushing for four presidential debates and insisted they be held earlier so that early voters can make decisions. We want fair debates. We want them sooner, and we want a bigger schedule, said Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale. We also don't want them up against football games competing for viewers. As many Americans as possible need to see the stark differences between the accomplishments and leadership of President Trump and the failed record and sleepiness of Joe Biden. I loved how they termed that. Good stuff. From Superior Word News Service, Senate confirms Trump's 200th judicial nominee. Isn't that wonderful? Congratulations, President Trump. From the AP, Democrats planning virtual convention. Why do you think they're planning that? No crowds. No crowds. There won't be any slip-ups. But more importantly, I guarantee you they are going to try to use that as a bridge to absentee voting, that everybody gets a mail-in ballot. That is my guess there. Yep. Mail online. Father 31, you know, this is just, I'm so happy that this happened. Don't get mixed up when I start reading it and you think, what is he talking about? This is very good. Imagine this happening to you and how sad this is. Father 31 accused of murdering his children by locking them inside a hot car for five hours is released from jail after video showed they climbed in on their own. He would have been sent to jail for the rest of his life for something he did not do, and he's already destroyed as a man by losing his children. That's, that's one of the things in the world that we can be thankful for surveillance. There are times where we're not, but there are times like that that I saw that and I almost broke down in tears because the day before I had seen the article that he had locked his, and I, I was like, they got to get that guy. Imagine that. I'm thinking he's a bad guy and the poor guy lost his children. Somebody 
All right. I guarantee you, I don't care how many prophecy updates you watch this week, if you watch 2, 7, 27, or 152, you're not going to hear this on any other prophecy update. This is big news. Mail online. Alcoholic killer monkey leaves one man dead and 250 injured after going on a rampage when his booze supply dried up. Yes, tell me if you hear that on another prophecy update anytime. And the first thing that came to mind when I read that was Revelation 6, verse 8. So I looked and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed after him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Alcoholic monkeys will be the end of mankind during the tribulation period. Okay. I got a uh, Lesrick here for you. Let's see if you can figure out what's going on. Sleepy Joe will commit to three talks while his foe says on one Biden box. They should both speak about crime before Joey's bedtime to distinguish the doves from the hawks. Good job. All right. I got a couple of ironies here for you and then we'll be finished from the Daily Wire. Okay, this happened about a week and a half ago. It is very ironic. Olympia Mayor, of course, is out praising the protests. Yay, 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 until her home was vandalized during protest. Now it is domestic terror. So there you go. And from Zero Hedge, Barry Ritholtz, author of Bail Out Nation, gets a... Bailout. Bailout, yes, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida, to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.